You're listening to the teaching ministry of Houston's First Baptist Church, a relevant biblical community. For more information, visit houstonsfirst.org. Would you join me in thanking Chris and our praise team and praise band for leading us in worship? Wow. What an incredible morning of Christ-exalting worship, and we want to welcome those who have joined us on our online as our digital family. We're so delighted you're with us, and I just want to affirm everyone in the house on Memorial Day weekend, and you're in church, I want you to know you rock for the rock, Jesus, and I'm so grateful for you, so give yourselves a big hand for being here on Memorial Day weekend. That's a big commitment. And then I'm very mindful as I preach God's Word this morning, first of all, just how generous Pastor Greg is to let me preach his, God's word today. And, and I'm just so grateful for Pastor Greg and his leadership and such an honor to get to serve with him as his executive pastor, work so closely with him just to see how he walks with God. And he is such an encouragement to me. And, you know, he's very contagious. When you spend time with him, you just feel like you've been with Jesus every time. And we're so delighted and blessed to have such dynamic teaching and preaching of God's word every week consistently from Pastor Greg. So very grateful for him and very mindful of this opportunity that I have today to preach. And then also I want to thank those who have served our country, those who have sacrificed for our freedom. Uh, we've had our moment a moment ago to, to really honor those. But I just want to say that as I stand to preach God's word this morning, I'm standing as a result of the ultimate sacrifice made, Jesus giving his life, the ultimate sacrifice to provide the ultimate gift, the gift of eternal life. And then the thing about those who have served over the many decades, over all these years, who have just served our country faithfully, and those who have sacrificed their lives for our freedom. And so we don't take our freedom for granted. And I just want us to just to reaffirm the families who are affected by those who've lost their lives and those who've had family members serving in our military. Would you Join me in just honoring them one more time before we get into God's word. So grateful. So grateful. I'm going to invite you to turn with me to Mark chapter 6. Mark chapter 6. When I was growing up, we had, on our trips, we would go to what's called a rest area. And I know most in the room here, like, what is a rest area? Well, when we would travel, it was a place that you would have to pull over so that you could take out the ice chest and put it on the picnic bench, and then you would eat your lunch there at the rest area, and just to kind of refresh, then you load up back in the car so that you could go down the road with the windows down, no air conditioning, no seat belts. <laughs> and you just endured until you got to the next rest area. And life was a lot slower back then. The speed limit was a lot lower back then. And the pace of life was a lot different back then. But in our modern context, our pace has gone to a supersonic level. So now the rest areas are closing and the buckies are arising. And I remember 16 years ago when I was going to San Antonio to do a video shoot at the Bamsey Center, the burn unit for our soldiers. And on my way, I was introduced to the Beaver Nuggets at Bucky's. Can I have a witness? Are y'all feeling the love right now? So if your sugar level is low, you get some of those Beaver Nuggets and your sugar will go to a whole nother level. Have you noticed that Bucky's has over 100 gas pumps? It's always busy. And your heart rate goes up as you anticipate. You see the sign, the next Bucky's, 112 miles. 
and then 90 miles, and then 70 miles, and then you're like anticipating, you finally get there, and it is such a rush. It is such a high. It's such an incredible experience, but your heart rate goes up. It's a fast-paced experience, and it's not for the faint, but it's quite an experience. And so much of our lives have become that high-paced, stressed-out, unsustainable, overcommitted pace that has become unhealthy. And what I want to wrestle with in our passage this morning is what are you going to do with the rest of your life? That's one stream. What are you going to do with the rest of your life? But there's another stream I want us to float down, and that is what are you going to do with the rest, the replenishment, the refreshment of your life? We're in Mark chapter 6. In verse 30, and I want, first of all, to give you the, the first statement to write down in your listening guide. We're going to use the word rest as our, our acrostic for our main points. And just to be transparent with you, all week long as I've been sermoneering and working on this message, and God's been getting a hold of my heart on a deep level with what I'm about to preach. And this song just keeps coming to mind. In fact, for the first time in 36 years of ministry, I played this song on the way to church this morning by Aretha Franklin, R-E-S-P. E-C-T, just a little bit, just a little bit. That's, I, that song's been on my mind all week, and this morning I played it on the way to campus this morning. Aretha was bringing it on on I-10, and we were jamming in, in Stephen's vehicle. But we're not going to talk about respect. We're going to talk about rest just a little bit, just a little bit. Here's the R. Respond to Jesus invitation. And it demands a response. And what you'll find is if you don't respond to Jesus' invitation, if you battle what he's inviting us into, you're going to live a stressed out life. And you're going to feel fragmented and depleted until you respond to his invitation. Look at verse 30 with me. Here's the flow of Mark 6. Jesus has already sent out the 12 disciples. He's dispersed them to do very intentional ministry of preaching repentance, of healing the sick, and also casting out demons. So now Jesus has just received the very unsettling news that his cousin John, John the Baptist, has been beheaded. And we get to this passage in verse 30. The apostles gathered around Jesus and reported to him all that they had done and taught giving Jesus feedback on their experience of ministry. And Jesus said to them, come away by yourselves to a remote place and rest for a while. Would you say that with me? And rest for a while. For many were coming and going and they did not even have time to eat. You know they were busy if they didn't have time to eat. So I wonder as we look at this passage, what generated their need for rest? What generated this intensity of ministry and what kind of pace had they been experiencing? What kind of grief had they been navigating? And what we'll learn is that they were doing real life in a real world. In fact, they were doing real life in a real world that was a broken world on a fallen planet that we still live in. That's why there's such dysfunction and discord and disharmony is because we live on a broken planet. And we're trying to operate our lives 
in a broken world, and we're fallen and we're flawed. And so often, we in experiencing this real life, let life get the best of us. Here's a great leadership principle from this text. If you'll write it in your notes, and I have a listening guide for you, hope you're ready. If you don't learn to come apart, you will come apart. Jesus is inviting us to embrace a different pace of life. So pumped, it's recording right now, but I can't wait. Once I get home, I'm going to watch the Indy 500. Indianapolis 500. I grew up watching that and I love speed. I love racing. I love competition. And so I can't wait to watch it. And here's what I know about the Indy 500. It's true in Formula One, it's true in NASCAR, that it's really, yes, the driver's super important. Yes, the car's got to be dialed in and tweaked just right. And the team's got to be in alignment, but it's all about the pit stops. I've got a picture just to give you a little dopamine dispensing. This is what it's all about. It's what happens on pit road. And for some of you this morning, you've been on the racetrack going on and on and on and on, and you have not yet gone down pit road to go take a pit stop, to get your tires replaced, to get refueled, to get refreshed, and then to get refocused on the race called life. And for some of you this morning, that's your greatest need is to respond to this invitation that Jesus invites us to rest. I love Wayne Cordero's book. If you're a leader in the room at any level, I encourage you to read his book, Leading on Empty. Read it four times. It's a phenomenal book as you pour your life out in leadership. I love this quote. Rest has to be a primary responsibility. It brings a rhythm back to life and a cadence that makes life sustainable. A really powerful biblical concept when you think about a bow and an arrow and how the bow is under tension at all times. And that's what makes the arrow float and fly so precise. And the Bible paints this word picture of unstringing the bow. It means to relieve the tension of your life. And there's got to be times in your life and in your cadence and in your rhythm where you unstring the bow. And some of you right now are so uptight I can sense it in the room. Some of you joining us online, you are overwhelmed by life and there's so much tension. And I want to challenge us, let's unstring the bow and allow Jesus to put us back together and let our soul catch up to our body. Here's the E in rest. Embrace the place that recalibrates your pace. Embrace the place that recalibrates your pace. Right now, I'm visualizing a really cool place that we like to go to, and it's at the beach. There's just something about sand between your toes, right? And you go to the edge of the beach, and when you look out, all you see is water. The simplicity of the ocean, the, the, the dynamic features of the ocean cascading upon the beach, and, and just the, the, the sea breeze coming through your face. It's just so refreshing and smelling the salt water. It's a place of replenishment. It's a place to remind us that God is on his throne and that God is all knowing and all seeing and all powerful. But what happens when your pace becomes unhealthy and unsustainable, your body keeps the score. Your body 
will tell on you when you embrace an unhealthy, unsustainable pace. Look at verse 32. So they went away in the boat. So there it is. Let's go buy a boat and let's get to the lake. Father, thank you for this beautiful day. (laughs) So they went away in the boat by themselves to a remote place. And the word by themselves literally is it's privately. By themselves to a remote place, to a place of solitude. Jesus used this same word in Mark 135, where when it was very early in the morning, as was his custom, Jesus departed to a desolate place, a solitary place, and there he prayed. There's something about finding a place of solitude that restores and replenishes. Now, the question is, why did they need to get away? Well, first of all, when you're pouring your life into others, it can be depleting and exhausting. Also, whenever you're serving others and pouring your life into others and you see achievement, and especially in life of our our obsession with productivity, achievement and adrenaline can be addictive. And some of you are recovering right now. Some of you, though it's Sunday and most have tomorrow off, that you're still decompressing. You're still coming down from the adrenaline high that you live on, right? And when you go on vacation, it takes you the first three or four days just to come down from the intensity of your adrenaline so that you can decompress and enjoy authentic rest. So here's some action steps I want you to plug in. Create margin. Look in your notes. Create margin. Those online, we have the listening guide available to you. Create margin. Now, what is margin? The space between your load and your limit. And some of you right now would say, I have zero margin emotionally, zero margin physically, maybe zero margin financially, and you're living on edge. There's no margin. So the challenge is to create margin, create space between your load and your limit. How do you do that? Establish healthy boundaries. I wish this were easy. This is hard. Establish healthy boundaries. Jesus knew when to get away. He knew when to engage an individual. He knew when to be in solitude. And he was nurturing his relationship with the disciples to teach them when to step away, when to get away, when to be refreshed, when to be renewed, and when to engage. And you have to learn the rhythm. Create margin, establish healthy boundaries. And this is going to set somebody free. There has to be a time in your day when you're not available. We are now connected 24-7, 365 because of smartphones. 24-7, 365. Always connected, always available. There needs to be a time in your day when you're not available. I remember when I was pastoring in Louisiana for over 20 years, and I remember when I was a young preacher boy, I went to the Louisiana Baptist Convention Evangelism Conference and saw one of my heroes, Dr. Fred Lowry, who at that time was pastor of First Baptist Bossier. And I'd learned so much from him and listened to his tapes and ministry. That's like MP3 files now. Listen to his cassette tape ministry. And just, just God really used him in my life. 
And I went up just to tell him how much he meant to me, how God was using him in my life. Now, I was a young preacher boy, and I had the coolest pager with a little gold chain that clipped on my pocket. I was in the club. I'm talking about a cutting-edge pastor, pager with a little gold chain. So I went to Dr. Lowry. I said, I noticed, I noticed that you don't have a pager. And he said, I'm not that important. Wow. Is it okay for you to not be connected all the time and available all the time? So you have to learn to say no in order to say yes to God's best. Jesus modeled that. Say no in order to say yes to God's best. I know in different seasons of life and ministry, there's just different seasons that you experience of different levels of intensity. And I know that there are seasons that I go through of intensity where, see if you can relate to this, everything gets a little bit of me, nothing gets the best of me. Have you been there? That's called being fragmented. Everything gets a little bit of me, nothing gets the best of me. And that is not wise stewardship. And what Jesus is calling us to is to get in the boat and to go away to a, a place of solitude, to refocus and to refuel. Here's another action step. Pace yourself. Pace yourself. You don't underline the word pace in your notes. Pace yourself. As you know, life is a marathon, not a sprint, but it's possible to sprint in the marathon called life. And Jesus is not calling us to be the energizer bunny, but he's calling us to be energized by the bread of life. And there's a difference. Another quote from Wayne Cadero that has so ministered to me, your soul is like a battery that discharges each time you give life away, and it needs to be recharged regularly. So here's what happens. Serotonin in your body can get depleted when you don't live a cadence that allows it to be replenished. So what happens is your body, instead of allowing you to operate with serotonin, that is very relaxing and soothing and actually gives you energy to do what God's called you to do and the energy and strength, but it's soothing. When your serotonin levels go down, your body amps up the adrenaline. And remember, adrenaline is fight, flight, freeze. It's made for emergency use only. And what happens when you have an unsustainable, unhealthy pace is that instead of operating on the soothing serotonin, now you're operating on the emergency only use adrenaline. And thus you become addicted to that adrenaline high and you need that adrenaline high to live your life because your life is an unsustainable paced life. And then the adrenaline, which you're not supposed to live on, develops stress hormones, and the stress hormones begin to attack your vital organs. So what do you do? You just drink more caffeine. <laughs> no. You pace yourself. Here's another action step. Cultivate replenishing streams. Cultivate replenishing streams. What does that look like for you? For some of you, you like to be with people and that energizes you and refills you. 
For some of you, you like to hide away and read a book and get lost in a book, and it actually is replenishing to you. For some of you, you need activity, you need action, you need to use your hands, or you need to hit your head up against something, like do something physical and crazy, and then it replenishes you. I want to encourage you to, to look at what fills your tank. What fills your tank? And really dial in on that. What fills your tank? What is your list? What are life-giving streams for you? And then what drains your tank? Now, if they're seated near you, please don't write their name down now. (laughs) What drains your tank? Jesus so models cultivating replenishing streams. And you have to fight to keep your life replenished. Would you say that with me? You have to fight to keep your life replenished. Now let me make an announcement. Sometimes the most spiritual thing you can do is take a nap. Now not in church, but somebody wake up that gentleman up there. (laughs) Don't nap in church, but sometimes the most spiritual thing you can do is take a nap. Why? Because it refuels, it refreshes, it re replenishes you, and it helps you regain perspective on life. Here's the S in rest. You ready for it? Serve others from the reservoir of rest. I love that. Serve others from the reservoir of rest. It's the tank. It's the supply. It's the source. Look at verse 33 with me. But many saw them leaving and recognized them. Now, that's interesting. Remember, Jesus had deployed the 12 to go engage the culture. Now, the culture's pursuing Jesus and the disciples. Notice what happens. Many saw them leaving and recognized them, and they ran on foot from all the towns and arrived ahead of them. When Jesus went ashore, he saw a large crowd and had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. Then he began to teach them many things. Here's your principle. Rest expands your capacity to extend ministry to others. Rest expands your capacity to extend ministry to others. Right now some online and some in the room. Here's what we're going through. Some of us are reaching down and you're investing in your kids or you're investing in your grandkids, but yet you're reaching up and you're taking care of parents or grandparents. You're called the bridger generation. You're reaching down, pouring into, pulling up, and you're reaching up, caring for, providing for. And for many of us, you are the primary caregiver in a relationship like it's on you and over time if your pace is unsustainable and unhealthy what happens is you develop a medical condition called compassion fatigue where you're overwhelmed by being the primary caregiver where it's always on you it's up to you and there's no reprieve And so Jesus is speaking to us about the concept of rest because it's out of the reservoir of rest that you extend ministry to others. And what you'll notice, if you're running on fumes, 
before long, you'll be fuming. And you'll say, that's not like me. I'm normally not that irritable. I'm normally not that edgy. I don't know what's going on. It's just called that you're exhausted. You're depleted. Unstring your bow. Invite others into the journey. Take some time to find replenishing strings that streams that will rebuild you and refresh you. And that's what Jesus did. And notice what happens. They get, they get now, right before the crowd, 5,000 men beside the women and children, and Jesus teaches them. And they extend ministry to them. And then they feed them. And all they had, Andrew went to a little lad who had a little lunch, five loaves and two fish, and as S.M. Lockridge says, only Jesus can multiply two times five and get 5,000. And Jesus extended ministry out of the reservoir of rest. I want you to let that connect with you on a deep level. Those of you who are younger and have more energy, your energy is not going to be at your current level for the rest of your life. And you're going to have to learn how to fill this reservoir so that now, out of rest, you can now serve others. And then align with God's design. Align with God's design. You know, it's so powerful here in chapter 6 is Jesus glorified God by resting just as much as by feeding the 5,000. Align with God's design. This is a fun little acrostic. This is a little rest acrostic. Let me give it to you. Routine and rhythm. If you're going to align with God's design, it's routine and rhythm. Why? God is a God of order. God has given you a biological rhythm. Like I'm a morning person, don't need an alarm clock. And Tanya is not a morning person. So in our 32 years of marriage, God has given us opportunity to showcase the fruit of the Spirit. Because my plane is landing, my flaps are out, my landing gear is down by 839, 930, 10. And like at 1030, I'm in a coma. So if we're going to have a, a marriage that's healthy and vibrant, I've got to be intentional. And that's why I eat Bluebell at night, because it picks me back up for just a little while. <laughs> and then with that in mind, E is eating and exercising. Eating and exercising. Of course, you know food is fuel. What kind of fuel are you putting in your body? Exercise. What I've noticed in my journey, many of you can attest to this, when my exercise goes up, my stress goes down. When my exercise goes down, my stress goes up. Why? God created the body to move. And when you move, he rewards the body. And then S, sleeping and Sabbath. Sleeping and Sabbath. That's a whole that's a whole nother message. But just know that your sleep at night is vital. We have these little stickers Tanya found, and we put these little stickers on all the little lights that are in our bedroom, all those little pin lights that are all over that illuminate your room. Now it's really dark. We have one light to go, and it's like a spotlight now because it's so dark in our room. It's awesome. Sabbath. I encourage you, as Pastor Greg has quoted many times uh, from Mark Buchanan's book, The Rest of God, restoring your soul by restoring the Sabbath. 
And he talked about how to have a daily Sabbath, your quiet time with God, how to have a weekly Sabbath, your day off, and really embrace Sabbath, and then how to have a monthly Sabbath and an annual Sabbath. It's a great book. I've also been reading, again, Essentialism by Greg McCowan, one of my favorite chapters. He talks about in his book that the American way is basically the undisciplined pursuit of more. And then, of course, as you know, the the Christ way, the Christian way to steward your life is the disciplined pursuit of less. And my favorite chapter is sleep. Here's what it says. Protect the asset. Your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit. Protect the asset. And then the T, technology and trust. Technology and trust. Disconnect from technology so that you can reconnect with Jesus. And trust that God will keep the universe going. Can I read a quote from from John Piper that really connected with me? Sleep is a parable that God is God and we are mere men. God handles the world quite nicely while a hemisphere sleeps. Sleep is like a broken record that comes around with the same message every day. Man is not sovereign. Man is not sovereign. Man is not sovereign. Don't let the lesson be lost on you. God wants to be trusted as the great worker who never tires and never sleeps. He's not nearly so impressed with our late nights and early mornings as he is with a peaceful trust that casts all anxieties on him and sleeps. Tanya was sharing with me just a few weeks ago some overflow from her daily quiet time reading in her prayer journal. She came across this concept, cast all your anxieties on him for he cares for you in scripture. And this concept of that your anxieties are like rocks. You ever been on the bank of a lake and you pick up a rock and you skip it across the water? Skip it across the water. That's the word picture. That you take your anxieties as one of those rocks and you cast your care. You cast your anxiety on the Lord. You skip it across the water and let it go to the bottom and leave it there. What we do is we cast our anxieties on the Lord. We cast our anxieties on the Lord. And then... We jump in the water and we swim down to the bottom and pick up those rocks and we bring them back and wonder why we're overwhelmed and exhausted and depleted and so stressed out. Cast all your anxieties on him for he cares for you and leave it. Leave your rocks to the rock. Jesus, he can handle it. And then the final T. Treasure the rest that Jesus alone provides. That's for you. Treasure the rest that Jesus alone provides. Now, I'm going to read from the message translation. We normally read from the Christian Standard Bible, CSB. And for those of you who are new to God's word, the Bible, the Old Testament, 39 books, 3 times 9. The New Testament, 27 books. There are 66 books in the Bible. The Old Testament written in Hebrew, the New Testament, Greek, and Aramaic. And so when it's translated from Hebrew, Greek, and Aramaic into English, there's multiple layers of translation style. 
And I'm going to share with you what's called a paraphrase. From Eugene Peterson, whenever he was pastoring, he was noticing that the translation he was using was not connecting with the biblically illiterate in his community. And so he began to paraphrase the Bible in a way that they would understand. We call that a modern translation. But this is a modern paraphrase called the message. Matthew eleven twenty-eight 28 through 30. This is so good. I hope this will minister to you. Are you tired? Are you worn out? Burned out on religion? Come to me. Get away with me and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. And here's the key phrase. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't let anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. We are so trapped by productivity. And we are so rewarded for productivity that what happens is you embrace a healthy pace that is not sustainable nor glorifies God. So Jesus invites us to treasure this rest that he alone provides. And here's what you'll discover. There's nothing you can do to cause God to love you more. And there's nothing you can do to cause God to love you less. God's love is perfect. It's called agape love. Perfect love. When I was pastoring in seminary, 1992, we were at a church that I pastored called First Baptist Folsom. It's not where Folsom Prison is. First Baptist Folsom, just north of New Orleans. And Tanya taught at Folsom Elementary, and the town that we were pastoring in was going through a transition where you had all the homegrown folk who had been there for generations, but all the new people from New Orleans and Metairie and Kenner were coming across Lake Pontchartrain into this beautiful community that had all these horse forms and horse polo forms and all, just an incredible community. Well, all the new people were moving in, so the homegrown called them come ears. The come ears. Well, God already had the homegrown folk in our church, but God was blessing us with the come ears. And so all this growth began to happen, and we were navigating this incredible journey of the two communities blending in the church. And so Tanya and I started a class together. It's called a pastor's class. It was going to be the one I was going to lead it, and she was going to help and, and try to bridge this gap to unite these two cultures that were under one steeple. And the class began to grow, and then I was preaching Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, so Tanya was like, you can have it, it's all yours. And she leaned in, and she's a master teacher, and she was teaching God's word and just seeing God unite these people groups, this diversity, and literally, and we have some friends here from that, my seminary church with us, and And that class, just to give you a portrait of the diversity, from a dump truck driver to a college professor, loving each other, studying God's word together, serving together, being fully united under one steeple. If you're not careful in life, you'll get so enamored by comparing your life to those on Instagram and their posted life their highlight reel, and you look at your real life, you'll feel like you're not enough. 
I just want to remind all of us here in the room and online that your value is not based on your performance, but on his pardon. Jesus has already established your value. And it has nothing to do with your ethnicity, has nothing to do with your social economic status, has nothing to do with your education, has nothing to do with your salary, has nothing to do with your marital status, has nothing to do if you came up in a wonderful, healthy, vibrant family, or like me, a single mom that raised me. It doesn't matter what your background is, but it matters that you run to Jesus and turn from your sin and you run to Jesus who is the way, the truth, and the life. And my Bible says God, my Bible says God made him who knew no sin to become sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. But God demonstrated his own love for us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And there's such a beautiful exchange You place your faith alone in Jesus alone, by the grace of God alone, for salvation. And God takes your sin, and he removes it. And he takes the righteousness of Christ, and he imputes it. And now, when God sees you, he sees you beneath the shed blood of Jesus Christ. You're now a child of the living God. You're now filled by the Spirit of God. You're adopted into God's forever family. Your name is written in the Lamb's Book of Life, and no weapon formed against you shall prosper. And the same grace that saved you is the same grace that keeps you saved. Stop running to earn God's favor. Stop performing, thinking that God's going to love you more. God loves you completely and unconditionally. He just wants you to surrender your life. And stop doing things for God and start letting God work in you so that God can do his work through you as a vessel yielded to him. Are you ready for that kind of rest? The unforced rhythms of grace, God's riches at Christ's expense. He's already done all the work so that you can receive the gift, but a gift is not a gift until you receive it. Would you stand for prayer? Every head bowed and eyes closed as we go before the Lord in prayer. We're going to invite our prayer partners to move in place. We're going to have a public invitation inviting you to come to Jesus. If you've never trusted in Jesus alone for salvation, today can be the day of your salvation. Stop running from God. You run to Jesus now. Arms wide open, he'll receive you. Come to one of our prayer partners. We're going to ask two questions. What's your name and what's on your heart? And just, you can say something like, I want to be saved. I want to go to heaven. You can even say, I don't want to go to hell. (laughs) And they'll share with you how you can come to know Jesus right here, right now. It's a sweet moment. My divine transaction was March 28, 1979, one month before I turned 10. And now I'm 54. 44 years of walking with God.
not because of who I am, but because of who he is. Completed work of Jesus on the cross that's now available to you. What are you going to do? Thank you for listening to the teaching ministry of Houston's First Baptist Church. We invite you to worship with us at one of our four locations at The Loop, Cypress, Downtown, or Siena. Follow us on social media or visit us online at houstonsfirst.org.